the elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with, my, with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. Okay. So as we come to God's word today, um, it's important that we pray that God will help us to understand this passage clearly. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to understand your word today, please open our hearts and open our minds to the truths of this passage and point us towards Jesus. Amen. If you had one chance to deliver an important message to your church, what would it be? If you could summarise a short and succinct message to your church, what would it be? Now, there may be a variety of things that you could say. One person could say, keep living for Jesus, which is a good thing. Or read your Bible. Or tell others about Jesus as much as you can. And in our passage today, John feels absolutely compelled and is passionate about one particular issue that must be addressed. Although he wants to tell his local church face-to-face, and we see that in verse 12, John makes it a high priority to tell them this message by the means of writing a letter so that it can be delivered by a messenger before he arrives. Now, what does he want them to know that is of such great importance? Let's have a look at the start of our passage at verse 1. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, 
the Father's Son, will be with us in truth, in love. Firstly, it gives us three main characters in the first verse. It's the elder, the lady chosen by God, and her children. Now, the elder is John, the apostle of Jesus. And the lady here is the church that he is writing to. And the children are the specific members of that given church that John wants to encourage. Now, it does seem a bit strange um, to call the church a lady. Um, But from what we see in the Bible is that the church is united to Christ and is likened likened, likened to being a bride united to her husband. Now, some people think that this lady could be a specific member of the local church, um, but it is most likely the church as a whole, with the bride and groom analogy of Christ and the church in mind. So how does John feel about this church and that he is writing this urgent message to? Have a look at verse 1 and 2. There is an outworking from John in the way that he relates to these people who also know the truth. He loves them because of the truth. And the truth that John lists here is common to those who he is writing to. John loves these people because of their common ground of knowing this truth. And as we see in the first two verses, truth is mentioned three times. Love in the truth, know the truth, and because of the truth. And as it is at the start of the passage, um, the repetition is showing us that this topic of truth will be the main theme and foundation. And notice that this truth isn't something that is only true for a while, but rather is a truth that never leaves, a truth that will remain with them forever. Now, we've said truth a lot of times, but what is this truth? Why would one common truth unite John and the church that he is writing to? Have a look at verse 3. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ. The Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. The important truth that John has been talking about here for the past two verses is all about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the embodiment of truth, and he is also the embodiment of love. Jesus himself reaffirms this, as he says in John 14, verse 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He not only taught what was true, but he also was perfect in all that he did. He was sinless. Not one area of his being was filled with sin. And after he died to pay the price for our sin and then rose again on the third day, he promised his disciples that he would continue to be with them until the end of the age. And this would be through the Holy Spirit in dwelling in their hearts so that the truth of Christ would be in their hearts forever. Now, not only does John have the common ground of the truths of God and what Jesus has done with his recipients, his love for them and the truth leads to great joy. Have a look at verse 4. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father has commanded us. Now, John has found that the recipients of his letter are walking in the truths of Jesus And for him as an elder and overseer to this congregation of people, them walking in the truths of the gospel is a very important thing. This is because of what they are working towards as an end result. If they stand firm in the truths of the gospel, then they will receive eternal life. 
and this is with Jesus Christ forever. Whilst if they don't walk in the truth, they may fall away from the faith, the very faith that John wants them to be established and grounded in. Uh, and we will see this in the more in the next part of our passage. But before we move on to the next verse, um, I think it's important that we ask, do we share this same joy that John has for his recipients? Or even do we share the same immeasurable joy that John has for the gospel with our fellow Christians? And do we encourage one another enough to keep living for Jesus? Now, just as John uh, is encouraging his local church members to live for Jesus, um, he is calling them to live for the truth, and we should do the same. And even more, as the day when Jesus returns is getting closer. So have a think to yourself, as the new year begins, how can I continue to encourage my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Now the joy that John has for these church members is also because they are walking in the truth just as the Father has commanded. From the beginning of time, God has commanded his people to be in the truth as well as to walk in it as God is the definition of what is true. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Old Testament, uh, we see God command his people Israel to do this very thing, starting at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. As those who follow God and love God with all they have, with him at the entire centre of their being, and later on in this Deuteronomy passage, um, it talks about the truth of God being in all aspects of their lives, not just certain parts, on their hearts, written on their foreheads, when they lie down, uh, and when you get up. And if you have any more questions about that passage, please come talk to me afterwards. It's a great passage. Um, it is to be wholehearted, all in, rather than only loving God when they feel like it, or only giving him time when they feel like it. And as people love God, this love flows on to those around them. Now, this section has given us a firm and solid foundation on what this letter will be about. It's all about the truth found in Jesus and how this should impact his readers. Um, so with this knowledge, let's move on to verse 5 and 6 of the passage. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command but one that we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. As we see in verse 5 and 6 of 2 John, loving one another and following God go hand in hand. And similar to truth in the previous part, the repetition of love one another is here to reinforce one of the main points that John is trying to get across. As Christians, we are called to walk in the truths of Jesus and the commandments and the love of God. And therefore, loving others flows abundantly from these truths. Although this is not a new command, John makes the effort to reinforce it, as he sees it of such a high importance. It is at the very core um, of who we are, of those who follow Christ. You cannot take one without the other. You cannot say that you love God and yet not love others. And Jesus in his ministry 
um, when he was talking to his disciples, reinforced this important concept of loving God and loving others and how they go hand in hand. He said in John 13, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, although it is great uh, to be reminded that loving God and therefore loving others is important, why does John continually repeat himself about truth and love? Why does he see it of great importance to repeat these truths over and over and over again? Now, we saw that his listeners uh, would know about the commandments given by God. It has been around since the beginning. It's not a new command. Um, As we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and John 13, they would have heard this before. We see the very reason for John's persistence in the next part of our passage. Verse 7. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching both has the Father and the Son. And as we saw um, in the last last week in the book of Jude, uh, which Ben gave us, false teachers were rampant amongst the early church, who may look on the outside godly in appearance, uh, but through their actions and their teachings that they are under the judgment of God. Um, And these false teachers, and that John specifically lists, do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh. Now, why is this a bad thing? Um, What's the problem with believing this? Um, If Jesus was only a mere appearance of a human and was only spirit, It means that when he rose from the dead, he did not rise physically. Rather, it was only his spirit which was raised. And this separates the importance of body and spirit together. If the spirit of Christ was only raised, then it would mean that our spirit is only important. And this would mean that we we would only have to look after our spiritual side rather than our physical bodies. And we can do whatever we want with our bodies and there will be no consequences. It's like this ball of chocolate. It looks really good and pleasing to the eye. It does look really good. <laughs> and in my family, uh, we love these kinds of things at Christmas times. Uh, chocolate-coated almonds, chocolate-coated nuts, and they are the thing that must be on the shopping list. I agree. But although this, although this chocolate ball looks good to eat, in reality, it's just a chocolate-coated Brussels sprout. Yuck. And Brussels sprouts, in everyone's opinion, is nowhere near good as chocolate. What looks good on the outside, on the inside, in reality, is just straight garbage. Now, in comparison to a Brussels sprout in chocolate, um, how much more appalling is the heresy that those false teachers were bringing into that church? Because as we know, 
Uh, God sees all things and he sees our sin, which means that without Jesus, uh, we are separated from him for eternity. Uh, And we can see that not walking in the truths of Jesus uh, meant that these false teachers were deceived. Um, They were not a part of God's kingdom. They were anti-Christ. I mean, they were against and in opposition to the true gospel. Um, He also gives them a warning about falling into this pattern of teaching as he reaffirms bluntly that those who continue in these unbiblical truths do not have God. That is, that they are not a part of his kingdom. To deny the biblical Jesus is always rejecting what Scripture tells us, and it rejects who he is and what he has done for us. Um, And not only do they deny the biblical Jesus, but they also run ahead um, in these teachings. Now, run ahead in this passage is not a literal run, um, but rather it is going beyond the truths of Jesus and the gospel. Um, An example of this could be that Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection was not enough. So therefore, you have to do something yourselves to ensure uh, that you are truly saved. And this is called the gospel plus concept, adding something to the true gospel. Um, Is there some good works that we could add to Jesus' work for us? Or is there some out-of-world experience that we need to have as a result of the Holy Spirit inside us? Now, we know that similar to this Gospel Plus idea, the separation of body and spirit teaching, it is not from God, and those that teach this are not from God either. We are sinners who are saved by the grace of God. No good works can save us. It is only through God's grace found in Christ that we are saved, not through good works or out-of-body experiences. Now, rather than following uh, the Gospel Plus ideas, John exhorts his readers to remain in the true Gospel of Jesus uh, so that they will be rewarded fully, which is to be in the presence of God for eternity. And you can see that in verse 9 of the passage. Now, after calling false teachers out, for their blatant and anti-Christ behaviours, he then continues to talk about them to reinforce his point further, particularly with how Christians should approach these people. Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that is the teaching of the gospel, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Now, in a Middle Eastern culture of hospitality, and welcoming others into your homes. This is a challenging command given here by John. He says not even to let them set foot inside your houses. This is to take a stance on the false teaching and to fully reject it. Um, Showing no hospitality in the first century meant that you were not endorsing nor accepting of the individual. But before in our passage, we saw in verse 5 and 6, John has just told his listeners to love one another, and to show God's love. Now, how do these two go hand in hand? Is it really loving to reject these false teachers outright? Yes, it is. And as we've seen, the truth of the gospel um, go hand in hand. Um, You can't take one without the other. Um, It is loving towards them because the rejection of the false gospel reveals that the true gospel of Christ is more important. Rather, being, rather than being empathetic in our attitudes. 
Now, what does this look like today? Uh, does this mean that we don't welcome anyone who preaches a false Jesus into our house? Um, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses, who believe that Jesus was created by God and is not God himself. Do we let them into our houses when they come to our door? Now, I think there is a difference between letting them inside a literal house um, and endorsing any type of false teacher. Um, endorsement means to support them, whether it be by monetary or agreement with their false teaching, while letting people into your house could be a loving way of telling them the true gospel. Now, what in other ways um, can we let this false teaching seep into our lives? Uh, in what ways can we be empathetic towards these false teachers and share, and as we see in verse 11, in their wicked work? Now, one of these ways is through the music industry, what we play, sing and listen to. Through singing songs made by false teachers and listening to their music, we support their work because of licensing. Now, although it's only a small amount of money, uh, such as uh, Spotify and Apple Music uh, give to these people, it still goes towards uh, their, their churches and their false teaching. So I would encourage you to consider what you listen to and continue to be discerning about what is around in the world of music. So today in 2 John, um, we have seen what John would say to his church if he had one opportunity to do so. He has placed a great emphasis on truth and this truth being all about Jesus and how this should shape our lives. He's also called his listeners to read to, and his readers to love God and in, in turn love one another. And as a result of the call to be walking in the truth as well as loving one another, we have just seen that we should re remain in the truth by being wary of false teachers and the danger that they can be. And ultimately, John wants his readers to listen and listeners to realise that, you've got a sneak peek before, that the truth and love that flows from knowing the gospel of Christ shapes how we live our lives. That again. The truth and love that flows from knowing the gospel of Christ shapes how we live our lives. Through knowing the truths of the gospel, um, we are able to walk in the truth as well as love one another. So two quick implications before we finish. The first one. Love one another and love God. Um, although it can be hard uh, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and I heard an analogy that we were porcupines in a suitcase. Uh, if you don't know what that means, please come talk to me after. Uh, we are called by God to love one another. And because of what God has done through Jesus, we should always seek to love one another to the best of our abilities. What is one way um, that you can love a fellow brother or sister in Christ more? Could it be through more intentional conversation after church or maybe sending a weekly message to see how they're going in Christ? Loving God, seeking him and following him always. Because of what he has done through Jesus, reconciled us to himself through Jesus' death and resurrection. And this is the part of the joy that John has for his readers because they share in this too. Where is one way this week that you can love God more? Uh, more regular Bible reading, more regular prayer, or seeking to live for him in every part of your week rather than just certain parts. Second, be wary of the gospel past heresy and false teachers. Um, there will always be false gospels and false teachers around until Jesus returns. 
to be discerning with what you hear. Um, does this message um, that the teacher gives align with the true word of God? If it does, be encouraged by what you hear and strive to live for Christ. Um, if it doesn't, reject it, flee from it and help others to do the same. And the best way that we can do this um, is by reading our Bibles for ourselves. So our discernment can be led from what the Bible says. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, as a result of the good news of the gospel, please continue to transform us to be more like Jesus. Please help us to live out our faith in how we love you and love one another, as well as being wary of false teachers. Amen.